Welcome back, y'all, to episode 154 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast as well as informing, as well as entertaining. This is a journey of information and a journey of learning. So sit back, relax, and listen and enjoy the show. Getting back to the in-studio recording. The last two days we did two car casts, which were fun. The audio was a little bit tricky on them. I hope you guys enjoyed them. The information is pouring in via email, text. Hope you guys loved it. I'm going to be transitioning now, probably into do a little bit more studio recording. Um, today is going to be a solo cast brought to you by me, Zachary Winky. Um, so what do I want to talk about today? So um, what's crazy about podcasts is that murder podcasts apparently are a really big deal. You talk about these concepts and in, in the Brian Coher, Moscow, Idaho case still seems to be pretty hot. I'm still following it out of interest and, you know, really what this podcast is about is me talking about things I find interesting or things I just want to inform the public about um, from my perspective and looking at it right now you know one thing that is kind of going to be really curious about this whole Moscow Idaho case is now we're kind of thinking about what the defense for Brian Cohert will be Okay, so first of all, it's like we have to think about a multitude of things. The first is when I look at this case, you know, obviously I do think Brian committed it, kind of looking at the DNA stuff and and looking a little bit about his background and and, um, the timing of his phone, the geolocation of his phone, his cars, etc. But what I really haven't found out is what the motive is. Um, Like, that's what I'm really curious about because he was at a totally different university and i have a few of them potential theories um but one of them i heard that's pretty interesting is brian is a vegan and the two girls in the house actually work at a vegan restaurant so there's some potential overlapping there of where they met up or maybe brian started to become obsessed we know he did not like talk he didn't know how to talk to women he had issues socially um and you know we also have that thing about him being kicked out of a bar because he was screaming at a waitress um or not allowed to come back in so that could be one motive another one is you know were they on tiktok i mean sorry were they on tinder you know was he matching up on tinder was he looking for girls there and maybe he matched up with them that's one thing i really haven't seen so i think the first thing is really understanding the motive from the defense side um I mean, from the, I'm sorry, from the prosecution standpoint, like what, how, you know, how are they going to be able to find the motive? The next is the fact that they don't have any eyewitness accounts. Now, we look at a lot of different cases and we've always seen that DNA can always sell the, the match or using forensics can really sway the, um, the jury because we know in this case, Brian is going to plead not guilty. You know, that's kind of what it's shaping up to be. And he doesn't have any money for like an all-star, all-star 
kind of de- defense team. So understanding that within the prosecution, I think is going to be interesting. One thing that's going to like kind of um, be interesting is this is the is the Hyundai S the Hyundai Elantra. Like there's some time that's offered that they're originally asking for the public to be aware of the Hyundai Elantra that was from 2011 to 2013. Later, they identified it as 2015, kind of more fitting Brian Cord's car. So the moving dates could potentially be a thing. Another potential thing they're talking about is how the cell phone did not ping. You know, they're saying that before that that was actually the evidence and data they needed because he was in the area 12 times prior before the case since June Um, but from the time period of when the crime was taking place his cell phone was off so it didn't ping close to any towers and sometimes pinging off towers isn't necessarily like always a correct sign so the phone can ping on something just to identify if it's there or not so even though the phone was turned off that'll be interesting it's going to be crazy to see how the prosecution tells the story but man it's like I swear you could just literally look at TikTok because the algorithm is blowing up there's so many people like doing like walk through in the houses and originally I just covered it on the podcast just because I thought it was an interesting case because I was following it because I was literally at my brother's house when it happened and I was like I've never seen a quadruple homicide before and I think too because the suspects are so young like you really become a little bit more attached to it but then TikTok went off. I mean, there's people uh, like walking through the house, creating these virtual reality aspects of what the rooms the crim the the um, the perpetrator went into. You know, all this stuff. All so it's going to be interesting to see that because one thing that's really crazy is when you look at Brian when he was driving back to Pullman, Washington. He actually kind of took this really weird way back. Some people think it was to throw off um, the camera footage of the FBI to seeing it. Um, so that'll be interesting. Another thing is the license plate. The Hyundai Elantra did not have front license plates, which they believe is legal. I mean, you have to have them within um, Washington. And because he was in, um, before the crime, he flipped his license plate. So no one ever got a front license plate picture of the car. So that's going to be another the car's going to be interesting but also his route back and determining if he did maybe throw the knife out or even his clothes things like that i think the next thing is the sheep i mean that's the thing that found them and led them to brian but because the sheep was left and someone could argue with the knowledge kind of going into those different points but what's really interesting is how the case is going to play out i mean if you're kind of thinking about it from a prosecutor standpoint it feels kind of like a slam dunk you have this guy who is studying criminal law phd you have the dna you have obsession on file of him with criminal justice but what's really interesting is when his neighbors found out that he did it they were really surprised that he was arrested because they say at first glance when you see brian He looks kind of like a sickly, small, vegan guy who wouldn't have the strength or the ability to execute these kind of crimes. So we're kind of looking at it from a prosecution defense because 
all you really have to do is have one juror have some doubt in order to get off. And looking at those aspects of the case, the thing that I think Brian's really going to have a hard time conveying is the humanity side of him. If you look at him, you don't ever see him smiling. His pictures look really weird. And like when you look at him on image, it's a little bit off-putting. And the juror, whenever you kind of interact with somebody, you know, they're really going to be judging on how much he's smiling, how he reacts to the details. But if you're stone cold in there, I mean, it's not going to be good for him. He's going to have to, he's going to have to, you know, bring some personality out, you know, and that's going to have to be a big deal. If you look at something like as high profile as the OJ Simpson case, you know, he was so interactive with his facial expressions. And in a lot of ways, there was different things that they did in order to get him off. So it's going to be really interesting to see where the case takes, like what kind of trajectory it has. But there's a lot of different things like kind of leading up to it. Another thing is the fact that Brian has no priors. I mean, like there's no proof that he's ever done this before. And how all of a sudden out of nowhere... Do you have the ability just to have, to do a quadruple homicide like this? Um, I think that's what's going to be a really interesting thing to convey as it relates to motive. Like, they have to find the motive. And as, as of right now, I mean, the motive would be he's a criminal. He was a criminal justice student who was obsessed with criminal aspects. And he was obsessed with murder, potentially. And he just wanted to execute it on his own. So he went out and just decided to kill four people. I mean, it's going to be hard to sell that from a prosecution standpoint. So I'm jumping kind of back and forth on both these ideas, but it's like, where, where, where does it go? You know, I mean, it's like right now they have them, they have the DNA and it looks presumably, but it's innocent and too proven guilty. It looks like they have the guy, obviously, but how are they going to prove it in court? You know, it's going to be really important to convey those certain messages. So kind of talking about things before, because Brian Culper cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed, and that is going to be, and her name is Ann Taylor, and she has her work cut out for her. Um, You know, that'll be the the lawyer representing Brian Coburg in Idaho. You know, it seems like they've already initiated a gag order, and she's actually been at the site multiple times now studying it as an active crime site. The thing that might go against the defense is they started breaking down the crime site. I mean, the prosecutor, they're actually taking clue. They're taking furniture out and it seems like they started to break it down. And and Anne actually had them stop because it is an active crime scene. So it's going to be really interesting how she is going to convey a message because there is such a confirmation bias towards Brian. I mean, everyone thinks he did it in the whole world including like your grandmother so you have that 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 you have to really think about but then whenever you're working as a defense lawyer you really have to really put yourself in the mind of the jurors and how information is being presented understanding how things are being said and really identifying what the law enforcement did in order to bring brian in you're going to start looking for holes in the cases because there's no eyewitness testimonies you know we really get kind of in an interesting place where we're piecing together a story that the juror has to identify is real or not and it kind of brings us to 
my point going back to the roommate um dm who you know the story just gets this story so strange because she said she identified the killer the killer came downstairs she didn't go to the aid she didn't go to the aid of the the other roommate so we kind of get caught in a situation where there's just a lot of information that potentially the um defense defense attorney can can hold because there's just a lot in the up here in the case you know the fact she didn't call so we're gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how this case plays out and where it's gonna go with the gag order and now information can be released the confirmation bias the whole nation um and this is really one of the first cases like this where there's so much information out of it and i think a lot of it with to do with tiktok i mean you open up your tiktok stream and you see it you look online you look at different media outlets and there's so much information on this case you have ex like police officers who know detectives now podcasts talking about it so we're in, it's really interesting because we're in such an age of information how something like this can play a really big part in um the outcome of the case you know it's um going to be interesting and that jury pool is going to be super interesting and i bet they hope that they don't have tiktok you know because like everyone's going to know about the case in the area obviously because it's a small town and and before they even do it it's like who which which pool are they gonna pull on if they're pulling from idaho moscow it's a college town you know everyone's going to know more than likely people there are going to be students because like when you're a kid you don't you always keep the idea of whatever state you're from so I think it's going to be interesting to see how the case plays out. I think the defense attorney has her work cut out for her, but she seems to be getting after it. You know, she seems to be a hardworking lady. Um, and we're, it's going to be interesting to see how the prosecution sells the case. But thank you guys for listening. I really do appreciate all the comments, all the support. Um, you know, this thing is starting to go and I just want to thank you. And, you know, you know, share with your friends, share with anybody that might be interested in listening to a good podcast. So thank you guys for listening and we'll get back to you tomorrow.